0: Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Last week we began looking at the book of Proverbs. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs. To the book of Proverbs. And we saw, as we went into the the book of Proverbs, I made a comment that last week I had done a Google search on self-help books. And I got 5.1 billion results. I mean, I, I'm sure there was in the, the hundreds of thousands and, or millions of hundreds of thousands and thousands and hundreds They just told me 5.1 billion, you know. And, um, and then that I also looked up self-help improvement industry and I found out that it was an $11.6 billion industry last year. Last year, last year, yeah. And um, it's amazing to me then that as I see that I mean it doesn't surprise me necessarily about the world but it surprises me about the Christian niche um, that there is in that same industry and that many of the the Christian quote-unquote Christian self-help books really aren't based upon the Word of God Um I remember many, many, many years ago now, the days of Desert Storm, and um, when I was I was called up at the end of Desert Storm to go to St. Louis and write the the programs that would um, process the files, the folders of the reservists and guards, guys that had gone over. Um, all the units would come to uh, to St. Louis, and St. Louis is the the Reserve Pentagon for those who don't know that, and. Um, and so I was there in, um, to do that. And when we went to St. Louis then, we were looking for a church to go to. And that was one of the first times I've ever really had to do that, because when we were down here, we weren't saved. and so we went to the churches of our our uh, desires. And um, it was the, the guy who worked with me that wound up getting us to go to the church through which we were introduced to Jesus got saved. And so from that point, I went to that church. And then I went to seminary, which was located in a church. So I went to that church. And when I graduated from seminary, the church through which I got saved at called me as the assistant pastor. So I went back to that church. And then I went to Desert Storm. And so that was the first time really as a believer I had to look for a church. And, I mean, I know what people tell me when they come to Augusta, which is in the middle of the Bible Belt, how hard it is to find a Bible-preaching church. That's just very hard for me to comprehend. Just very, very hard for me to comprehend. But I know I was there in that day. And and so, understand that the church I was saved through the ministry of was Independent Baptist, and I'm not going to pick on Independent Baptist here necessarily. But I instantly went to an Independent Baptist church because that's what we were. And we went, I'm looking at you, Martian, two weeks, three weeks? Did we go there? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I went before you got there. It was a Christian psychology message. We didn't We didn't open the Bible. I mean, it was Christian self-help. It was Christian psychology. It was just... I couldn't believe it. I mean, the place, I thought, of, of all places I can go to first to hear the Bible, to, to study the Bible, they didn't even use the Bible. And so... I just want to challenge you as we come into the book of Proverbs. God has placed in this book, it is God breathed. God breathed this through holy men throughout the ages, through 1600 years, so that you and I would have truth that we could stand on, we can be firm upon, that if you want to grow in in self-help, I promise you, it's here. And last week I challenged you, at the end during the message and at the end of the message, to begin daily spending uh, to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's generally 31 days in a month. I know 30 and then 28, but that it's okay. On the 30th day, if you want to read two chapters, you can do that. It's you know, um, but I, to to at least for six months to read a chapter of Proverbs a day, along with the other Bible that you're reading. I know it may add a little bit more time. That's okay. Get up another 10 minutes earlier. Um, But you will be surprised at how many, quote-unquote, self-help topics are addressed by Solomon and Agar and um, Lemuel in this book. And if you ask for God to use his word to equip you and challenge you and edify you, I promise you he'll do that. So, last week, as we began to look into this, we saw the purpose of the book of Proverbs, and that Solomon lists that right off the bat in verses 2 to 4. He gives four um, purposes. First of all was to know, Yada, wisdom and discipline. Does anybody... It says instruction. Does anybody remember what that word... Means, when we looked at it, it was the word musar. More of a correction, more like the chastisement concept, okay? So we use the word discipline for training, okay? So to know wisdom in discipline. Secondly, to understand words of understanding, okay? And I see it says to perceive words of understanding, but you can see, at least like in mine, it has the number one beside it. And it's actually the same word used twice. So it's habein emir to understand words of understanding. Thirdly, to receive the instruction of wisdom or the this discipline of understanding. The word sachel there is the word for understanding, which we saw in Jeremiah nine. It was to receive justice or the discipline of justice. To receive the discipline of judgment and to receive the discipline of equity or uprightness, okay? And so we see these things that are there as well then to give prudence to the simple, to give knowledge and discretion to the young man, and so that if you want these things in your life, you can read the book of Proverbs to get it. We ended the message by going into that second and third point um, and saying that we're going to come back this week and look at it. And The, the second point is the principles. And so we see in verse 5, 6, and 7, two principles, well, they're like one principle, so you have the positive and the negative, okay, that's surrounding this precept. Okay, so I'm going to begin reading verse 5. It says, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and the riddles... The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom in instruction. The precept by which these principles are built upon is the beginning of verse 7. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. So, based upon that precept, we'll come back to it in a moment to explain it a little bit more, but based upon that precept, this principle is then generated. And that is beginning of verse 5, a wise man then will what? He'll want it. He'll want that knowledge. If if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, then one who fears the Lord, a wise man, will then seek to be wise. He will look for this. So, three things that it says that he'll do. Verse 5, he will hear and increase learning. He will hear in increased learning. I'm mindful of Jesus' words, numerous times, and then also in the Revelation, where he says, he who has what? Here's to hear, let him what? Hear. And so you can go out there, and you can proclaim the truth of God. The sad thing is though, people don't want to what? They don't want to hear. And so if they don't want to hear, then they're not going to increase learning. Secondly, it says that the wise man, will seek wisdom. He'll seek to attain wise counsel. In, underst- in guidance. So a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because we're going to come back to that one um, as well. But the reality then is that a wise man he wants wisdom. So he's going to go out looking for those who are wise. And he's going to get their counsel. Thirdly, this wise man is going to seek to understand. And I'm going to state it what I have it. To seek to understand proverbs, satires, wise sayings, and puzzles. In my mind, that's what those things are. The proverb, the enigma, the words of the wise, and the riddles. When, in the Hebrew, when I take those words and I bring them back out, that's what I get. Proverbs, satires, wise sayings, and puzzles. Not all those words, again, are positive words. Like the word satire. Sometimes can be used very negatively, like as a sarcasm. So, but there's a lot to learn, even from somebody's sarcasm. You know, when you have that quick and witty tongue, a lot of times you're saying things you what? You really believe, even though you want to what? Deny it later. And we need to listen to somebody else's sarcasm about ourselves. Even though we may not like critical criticalness, you know, we always want constructive criticism. But many people give us what? Destructive criticism. And when we hear that destructive criticism, what do we initially want to do? Yeah, shut it off. I don't want to hear that. I want to rebel against it. I want to react against it. But I need to be able to 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 grow to the point where I can even hear that as well. Wise sayings and then the final one, the riddles, the word is p- a puzzle. It's, it's something that you're like, wow, I don't get it. And I saw one guy say that there's none of these in the book of Proverbs. And I thought, no, it, it, clearly you haven't read Proverbs enough. I mean, answer a fool according to his folly, and you'll become like him. Answer a fool, according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. That is a riddle. That's a puzzle. Okay? That's something that you got to think of. And it causes lots of people to stumble. They don't get it. See, he contradicts himself in his own own breath. I mean, da, da, da. No, it's because you don't get it. A wise man will what? Attain to that learning. To understand what the puzzle was saying. But the fool despises it. And so, when someone reacts that way to the Word of God, what are they revealing about themselves? They're a fool. They're, they're a fool. That's exactly... And someone... I mean, it's just straight out. I mean, Proverbs 12.1. Go, go to Proverbs 12.1. We'll look at this again later on. Okay? But my kids hate this verse. Whoever loves Musar... That's our word for correction. Chastisement. Okay, not just instruction, it's discipline. Okay, so it's whoever loves being corrected. How many of you, I mean, don't put your hands up, but just think about it. How many of you really love being corrected? I mean, not many of us, right? Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is, what's it say? Everybody, one, two, three. Stupid. And you've been, when you're grown up, moms and dads, you've always told your kids never to call anybody what? stupid. I didn't say you were. I always say, look, who, who, who just called you stupid? God did. And I think God, having all knowledge, knows what? Who is and who isn't. And so if you don't love receiving instruction, then God says you are stupid. I'm not saying that because I don't like, you know, judge not lest you be judged, right? And so, I've got this big mirror in front of me right now. And so, I know that I am stupid too often. Make sense? But that's exactly how it plays out, okay? So, the principle, a wise man will seek wisdom, but at the end of verse 7, the fool despises wisdom and instruction, okay? And we'll continue to look at that as we begin next week to look at the portrait of wisdom and then the um, the... The, the pursuit of wisdom as well. But where I want to move on to now is this precept. It's just a half a verse. But this is a huge statement that I think that um, is the problem with our world today. It's a problem with the church today. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. We talked about this a few weeks ago, probably a few months ago now, when we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because Paul talks about the terror of the Lord. It's this. It's the fear of God. People say, well, that's, that's an Old Testament principle. The love of God is a New Testament principle. And I say, you're wrong. I mean, the Word of God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday as He is today, as He will be forever. The fear of Yahweh is still the beginning of knowledge. If you don't fear the God who can snuff you out, how will you begin to act? Stupid. Good. That's exactly right. Yeah, you rebellious. It won't matter to walk according to the truth of God's word. That you'll act presumptuously. Paul, uh, Paul David says in his psalm. He says, "Keep me from presumptuous sins." What's presumptuousness? It's when you presume, okay? And so what does it mean to presume? What's it mean to presume? Pre means beforehand, right? Say again, Mark? Decide beforehand about something, or actually, not just decide on it, but actually uh, lean on it, if you would. So, if I presume on the grace of God, then... I have already decided that God will what? Forgive me. And so, acts of sins of presumption are really sins of disrespect. If you think about that. I can do what I want to do because He's already what? He's already died for me. And He has to forgive me. And so, that's where we want to get to here. This fear of the Lord. Okay? And so, first of all, the meaning of the word. Okay? We're going to do a lot of um, um, verses. If you've got the, the large... Pre- uh, copy of the sermon note sheet. Um, on the back of it, I have um, every Hebrew occurrence of the word yari and Yai. Okay, so the three um, forms of this word. Okay, so if you want to look up every single one of them, you got them. Okay, so I'm not hiding anything, full disclosure here. You can look them all up. Okay, and find out what this word means in the Hebrew. Let's go back to Genesis 3, verse 10. I figure you guys are in the shade and I'm in the sun. As long as I can stand in the sun, you can sit in the shade. (laughs) I'm messing. (laughs) Pray that I sweat. Pray that I sweat. I thought about getting a bottle of water, but I thought, no, that would give an excuse. You give me some shade? No, no, I don't need it. I'm just joking that could be a long message. <laughs> All right, Genesis 3:10. So he that is God said, "I heard your voice in the gar-, or I'm sorry, Adam." Adam said, "I heard your voice in the garden, and I was what? Afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I was Yare Yari. Why was he Yari? Why was he Yari? Say again? He did wrong. He did wrong. Keep going with it, Hunter. And what was going to happen? He was going to be punished. Say again? His sin found him out. He was going to be punished. But go. you know this passage. This is easy. How was he going to be punished? Death. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. He took the bite, and he didn't what? He didn't die, but soon after, what happened? God came walking in the garden. You stole that cookie from the cookie jar, and it was really good. And you didn't get caught. But then, before you were able to put the lid on the jar, Mama's steps are coming down the hallway. And what are you thinking right now? Today is the day I die. She brought me into the world and she's about to take me out. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being at this moment? You gave into sin and God already told you what the consequence of this sin was. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So, what do you think Yari means? Do you think it was reverence? Or do you think it was fear? It was fear. Let's go to Genesis 15, verse 1. See, and when I say, do you think it's reverence? That's where, again, people want to change this word into, it just means reverence. It just means holding God in awe. Well, it does, from the perspective of why. And that is, he can snuff me out at any moment. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of Yahweh came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless in the air of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? So, full disclosure here, that word there is um, for afraid, is our word yari. So well, how would you describe what God is saying to Abram at that point. Is he in like terrorized fear at this moment? Some are shaking their head no, because he's not fearing for his what? His life. But let's think about it. What is he afraid of? Don't be afraid, Abram. What's he afraid? His line will die out. Good, Zoe. Keep going with that. What does that mean? Well, he'll die, but his, his, line, his line will die up. But what happens with that? Say it louder, Steve. God's promise isn't going to be fulfilled. This is huge. I mean, you get it? God made Abram a promise. He left his homeland because of this promise. He was 75 years old when he got this promise. And he still believed it. That's pretty amazing. I mean, Sarai was 65. And Abram accepted that promise. But here it is, 20, 25 years later, 20 years is probably, no, it's probably not even that much, because, um, wait, let me think it's true. I'm going to say this right. Because, um, firstborn son, help me. No, 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 that's, that's Ishmael. Ishmael wasn't born yet. Okay? So, because it's going to be his, so, Ishmael is 13, 12 to 13 years old when when um, when Isaac is born so therefore he must be in his 80s right now okay so so he's gone about 12 to 13 years halfway through this trial he's not even halfway through he's halfway through and he's afraid and God comes and says don't be afraid don't be afraid I got it covered okay so keep going Genesis 18 verse 15. This is Sarai, who becomes Sarah, and we read her name change here, where we read, but Sarah denied it. She denied what? She denied laughing. Laughing at who? Laughing at God, or laughing about what God said. But Sarah denied it and said, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, oh no, but you did laugh. Now let's think about the scenario. Genesis eighteen. You can read that while I'm talking, if you want. If you don't remember it, what's going on in Genesis eighteen? You got Sarah and Abram. They're hanging out at the tent, right? They're they're chilling out for the day, and and what happens? No, no, wait, wait, wait. You're 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 re, you're, you're talking from hindsight. What actually happened, Phil? It's not angels. What came? No, no, no. You're still thinking. You're, He saw three men. Three guys showed up. He didn't know they were angels. They were trying to hide those wings, you know, but it just kept pushing out from the back. Anyway, they don't know. They're three guys. So these three guys show up. So it was their custom to do what? Feed them. Take care of them. Give them Give them some shelter. Take care of them, right? So they were aliens. They were strangers passing through. They were going to take care of them. Abram says, Come, 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 come. I'll get you some food. Have a seat. Rest yourself. And he goes, and then. One of the three says, "Abraham." Only one person would know his name was Abraham. Who was that? God. Could you could you imagine what Abram or Abraham felt like at that moment? You know, he's going Grr, around. Did I just hear what I thought I heard? All of a sudden, is get the fat calf, get the best fat calf. We're making this meal. I mean. No man has what? Seen God at any time. I mean, there's no way, no way that God's what? Actually, here in front of me. I mean, this just can't happen, you know? And, so, and yet, I'm going to do what I'm doing, you know? And he goes there, and he's sitting down with him. And then this individual says what? Where is Sarah? Not Sarai, but where is Sarah?" your wife. Now it's like, whoa, okay. This is, this is, right? Inside the tent is who? Have you guys ever gone camping? I mean, real, real camping, George. Come on. I'm talking real, like tent camping. Years ago. Okay. All right. Walls of tents are very thin. Hard to have a private conversation inside a tent or just outside that tent. Make sense? It's, we do that, though. We think like, oh, we went into the tent, now we can have this private conversation. It doesn't happen that way. So, conversation is going outside. Sarai, Sarah, is inside. What? Eavesdropping. She's listening in. And Yahweh says to Abram at this moment, he says, I will come back again a year from now, and your wife, Sarah, will have a child. Who just said that? To Sarah. In Sarah's eyes, who said that? Strangers. She's not sure. I mean, Abram's all excited, but she's not sure. She didn't have these encounters, right? And so what does she do? She laughs. She laughs. Wouldn't you laugh? No way. Oh, Marsha wants me to preach along. Amen. What a good wife. And um, so. She's, she laughs. She thinks she's getting away with it. But then the next step happens. Could you imagine this? Sarah, why did you laugh? You said before, your sin will find you out, right? <laughs> Could you imagine being Sarah at this moment? So what do you think it meant that she's afraid? That she denied it because she was afraid? What did she think was going to happen? Well, I th- yeah, she had, no idea. she had no idea how these people could read her mind. But I think she's starting to glean who this is. Make sense? This is the God of Abram, who Abram keeps talking about. Makes sense? And I think there's a part where she realizes that, at this moment, she could have blown the promise. Do you get it? She just mocked the God who Abram's been serving. So I think there's fear. You can look up the rest of these. Um, Daniel chapter 1 is Ashpenaz um, stating that he feared Nebuchadnezzar. He, you know, Daniel had asked him if they could eat vegetables and be tested. And he's like, you don't get it. I fear Nebuchadnezzar. And you're asking me to put my head out there. Because if you don't turn out good, what happens to me? <whistles> Off of the head. Ashpenaz was what? Fearful of Nebuchadnezzar. You can look all these up. The word Yari means to be afraid to be afraid to be terrified so put it in, in the phrase the fear of Yahweh what does that mean to be terrified of Yahweh to be afraid of Yahweh the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge turn with me to exodus you're close there if you were still in genesis exodus 14 I love this passage actually I don't have there's another one I wanted to share Ah, uh, we'll get to it down down there. Exodus four fourteen thirty one. thus Israel saw the great work which Yahweh had done in Egypt. So the people feared Yahweh and believed Yahweh and his servant Moses. So consider the, the sequence of things that, that happened here. What was the first thing that Israel did? In this sequence, just in this verse. They saw what did they see, Gerald? they saw the great work which Yahweh had done in Egypt. We could actually put a plural there if we want to. What was the great work that, that Yahweh did in Egypt? Free the people. But there's more than that. The plagues. Yeah, we could go through every one of those plagues. What an amazing thing. Yahweh systematically destroyed all the deities of Egypt. He took them on one by one and wiped them out. And then he wiped out Pharaoh in Egypt themselves with the first death of the firstborn. And then he led them out and then he, he didn't just lead them out. But what, what, what happened? This is right on the heels of what, what, what has just happened? He parted the red sea for the Israelites to walk through on. Say it again. Did you ever think, just think about the fact that it was dry land I mean, if that water was covered, 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 and the wind blew over it, it would be what land? Mud. But it was dry land. They went through on dry land. They were able to take their carts and everything else and get across. Not a problem. But then all of a sudden, the Egyptians come in, and God causes their chariot wheels to start coming off. Did it become a morass already? Did it start becoming muddy? I mean, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, the water's what? And if you're Israel, you just saw all this. You have a decision to make. You either believe in Yahweh or you what? You don't. But you know what it says the second thing that happened there? When they realized everything that happened, they what? They feared. Do you know what I think that they realized at that moment? That could have been them in the Red Sea. Do you get it? except by the grace of God, there go I. I'm no different than those Egyptians. I could have been in that Red Sea. All around. There are people who aren't worshipping God today. Why? Because they don't know Him. Why don't they know Him? Because they don't fear Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I look at the trees. I mean just here. How many different types of trees we got here? And even I don't remember who I was looking at the magnolias with Jimmy, wasn't it? We were looking at the magnolia and the and the flowers coming up and they and they're just from some of them just in a pod place and some of them are coming just starting to burst and some of them are just beautiful magnolias right now, you know? And you think about it, that all just happened. It just it just happened. It didn't just happen. The beauty and design of a creator God is sitting all around us. And when you begin to realize that you are a created being, and some something, someone made you, do you get it? There ought to start this this, this fear, this understanding that you are not invincible. You are not God. There is something beyond you. And that ought to give you just a little bit of a willy. And once that happens it ought to be a desire then to know this God. At least it is how it works out in my, my life. So, knowing God, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. So that's knowing God by itself. And then knowing the difference then between good and evil. You can look at these ones in Proverbs. But the fear of God does bring this. If you look at uh, Proverbs, go to the book of Proverbs, verse eight, chapter 8, sorry, we'll look at one. And you can look at the rest of these later. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of Yahweh is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way the perverse mouth I hate. You'll know good and evil. You'll know what it is that God hates. Lying lips are a what? Abomination. You guys know that. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And you only know that because why? Why? His word tells you that. But you only know what's in his word because why? You read it. Why did you read it? In in essence, in the end, it's because you fear the Lord. Do you get it? And you want to know what he said so that you can heed what he says. So you'll know good and evil. Keep going on. The impact of the, the precept. Secondly, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of Justice. Second Chronicles 19. Turn back there with me. Second Chronicles 19. We'll look at two verses, 7 and 9. This is <clears throat> Jehoshaphat. It says, Moreover in Jerusalem... I'm sorry, verse 7. It says, Now therefore, let the fear of Yahweh... Be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with Yahweh our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of Yahweh and for controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they returned to Jerusalem. And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of Yahweh, faithfully and with a loyal heart. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of justice. Do you see it in the land today? If you were, if you were with us in Sunday school a couple years ago when we went through the book of Isaiah, go back and read Isaiah chapter 5 and look at the seven woes. Okay? There are a progression of woes that go on where God t- says this is what happens in society when man chose to turn away from God. They will, they will begin to come up with their own system of justice. This is it. And so Jehoshaphat says, look, if you're going to judge these people, you better judge them in what? The fear of Yahweh. The problem is, there is no fear of Yahweh. People want to still believe that the United States is a Christian land. It hasn't been a Christian land for many, 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 many years. Back in the 20s, we made a decision. The leaders of our land made a decision to no longer worship the Creator God. They began to teach evolution in schools that there was no longer a creator god 40 years later in the 1960s they take prayer and bible reading out of out of school people look back and they oh, go that's when it was no it's not when it went bad it went bad when we chose we don't believe in a creator god anymore that we're going to teach evolution why does it happen in the 60s because you just taught a generation there is no god there is no fear of god anymore because there is no god and so you take out prayer and Bible reading, and one generation later, so two generations, you can look at the book of Judges and look at the book of Joshua on this, but it takes two generations for a nation to turn fully away from God. So we have one generation from 1960s, what do we have? Abortion on demand, kids killing kids, total anarchy and chaos rendering, and people who are being controlled, mind controlled, by the media. It's amazing to me to watch the Word of God play out in front of me. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of justice. That's why we don't have justice. That's why I'm not going to step into that, 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 that quagmire that's being played out today. Because they don't want justice. People don't want justice. They want what is right in their own eyes. We're told in the last days that what is good they'll call evil. And what is evil, they'll call good. Thirdly, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of evangelism. I already made reference to 2 Corinthians 5, but let's go there and read that one more time and see what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning of verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Drop down to verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of evangelism. When you begin to realize what's going to happen to those around you, You begin to have a compassion, the love of Christ for them, so that they don't go through that. But there's a second side of that as well. And so if you would, now I want you to go all the way back to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33. Ezekiel 33. There's a second side of that as well that I don't want to to shy away from, at least among his people. Ezekiel 33, beginning of verse 1. It says, again, the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes the warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Does that sound a little powerful to you? That sounds pretty powerful to me. If God gives me something to say, and I don't say it, then the person who needed to hear it isn't going to hear it. And ultimately, God is going to hold that to my account. I don't know how that looks. I understand, you know, we say once we die, you know, there's no more tears, there's no more. That, that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that when I die, I'm going to stand Where? before the judgment seat of Christ, I don't know how that's going to look. We like to belittle that side. We like, as long as I get to heaven, it's okay. I might be sitting up in that final seat in that peanut heaven up there, but I'm in heaven. I got a problem. If that's the if that's the attitude and that's the motivation of someone getting there, I'm afraid of whether or not, whether they're getting there or not. Because it's all about me, not about God. Ezekiel was a faithful, faithful prophet. And God says to Ezekiel, if you don't warn, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm holding to your account. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of evangelism. People need to hear about Christ. They're going to die. They're going to go to an eternity of nothingness. So I began this these video prayer pods things, YouTube videos. And, I mean, that's been a struggle for me. But God kept telling me, look, I'm not asking you for what the, the results are going to be. Even if I use it to reach one person, then it doesn't matter. You do what I've told you to do. And I struggle and I fought against it. Fought, 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 fought. I'm doing it. But in my mind, it's like, okay, God, even if one person one person, then that's what my purpose is. Do you get it? I'm not Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I'm not Charles Stanley. I'm not John MacArthur. I'm not John Piper. But I am who I am. Does that make sense? And you are who you are. And God has called you to do what he's called you to do. The fear of the Lord. You're going to give an account to God for whether you've obeyed him or not. Finally, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of blessing. The beginning of blessing. I want to look at two passages here, and then you can look at the rest of these. They're both from Exodus. These are just so exciting to me. Exodus. Exodus 1. So all the way back to Exodus. While you're going there, I want to remind you of the effect of Ananias and Sapphira does anybody remember who Ananias and Sapphira are? they were the husband and wife that, that died because they, they, they stole a little bit from their offering to God right? we don't, I mean it may not have been a whole lot it doesn't matter they didn't give what they told, told everybody they were going to give to God but do you know what happened to the church and upon all the, all the people around them after Ananias and Sapphira died because they, they cheated God? The fear of God fell upon everybody. That's exactly right. And people start getting saved. They start getting saved. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of evangelism. Let's hope it doesn't have to work that way. Okay? <coughs> Exodus 1, beginning of verse 15. Then the king of Egypt, that is Pharaoh, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shiphron, the name of the other was Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife, the Hebrew woman, and see them on the birthstool, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives, what? They feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. What did they do? They lied. Don't 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 run from that. Okay, they they lied. It's war. Just like Rahab lied. It was war. Do you understand there's a battle going on? I'm not saying it's okay for you to lie whenever you want to lie, but that was a, it was war was going on, okay? Therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mightily. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Do you get what's going on? God blessed them. Why? Because they feared him. They feared him. The fear of the Lord brought a blessing to them. They feared God more than they feared who? Pharaoh. What could Pharaoh have done? Anything in the world. The worst thing to them would have been what? Kill them. Wipe them out. Wipe out all Israel at that moment. Could have done it. But they feared God anyway. And they obeyed God. This next one I love. I just... Absolutely love Exodus nine. I love this portion. It's just a little bitty section within the uh, um, the plagues. Exodus nine. I'm going to start <clears throat> verse seventeen. Well, let's go all the way to verse thirteen for the context. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Why were the plagues coming? That they might know that he was Yahweh, right? Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. And as yet you exalt yourself against my people, and that you will not let them go, behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for in all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. Stop for a moment. God sends Moses to Pharaoh, right? And he says, I'm doing all this. So that you may know that I am Yahweh and that all the earth may know. But I'm giving you a warning because this next one's going to be really rough. I'm sending hell. So listen to me and what? Live. Heed. Go send for all of it. Take it in because whatever's left outside, it's going to go. Verse 20. He who feared the word of Yahweh among the servants of Pharaoh. Made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of Yahweh left his servants and his livestock in the field. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life, eternal life. I get it through Jesus Christ our Lord. But there's always been the exact same decision that was laid before us, all the way from the beginning. You can choose life or you can choose. Death. And God brought that to the Egyptians right at that very moment. I'm bringing death. Listen to me. I'm giving you the warning. Choose life. Make sure your servants and your flocks and everything else are inside because whatever's left outside, it's going to perish. Could you imagine what the court of Pharaoh looked like at that moment? I mean, with the the, the servants of Pharaoh not wanting to look like they were you know, giving in to this Hebrew guy, you know, and you know, like they're still there for Pharaoh, and yet they're kind of like pulling off the side, like telling their, you know, servant comes up, go get everybody inside, go get everybody inside, you know, and and, and the and the, the servants of the servants kind of walking away, like oh, 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 oh running out, everybody inside, everybody inside! I mean, I can't imagine what it looked like all over Egypt. Some were in masks, some weren't. Sorry. I mean, it's just, it was an amazing thing. I'm not telling you which side was which. You could be careful of that, okay? But the point is that, that there was this, this whole thing going on. The fear of the Lord brings a blessing. The fear of the Lord brings a blessing. So which one's got a blessing? The ones who heard the word and obeyed. That's exactly right. The ones who heard the word and obeyed. Actually, it wasn't even the ones who heard the word and obeyed. It was the ones It was the ones who were on the receiving end of the guy who heard the word and obeyed. This kind of blends together evangelism here a little bit, doesn't it? It was the, the guy on the watchman who heard it and said, send them out and get them in, you know. Could you imagine being that servant who was inside and said, I'm glad my master believed the word because I'd have been a dead man right now. Dads, we do that for our families. Do we believe the word of God and obey it? Employers, do you do it for your businesses? Leaders in any realm, I just think of President Trump, Vice President Pence, the cabinet, governors, mayors, they're making decisions. They either believe and fear that fear Yahweh or they don't. And they're going to make decisions based upon that. need to pray that they fear the Lord. So, in conclusion, have you begun reading a chapter of Proverbs each day? Are you spending time in God's Word? I want to challenge you, if you haven't started that yet, please do. I've heard from some who have, and it's been a blessing. And that doesn't surprise me. I'm excited for people to let me know that they're doing it. What does the fear of Yahweh mean to you? What does the fear of Yahweh mean to you? What would the choices of your life declare? If people were basing the decision of whether you feared God or not upon your decisions, would they believe that you did or not? Are you willing to ask God to help you to, quote-unquote, learn wisdom and understanding? Are you then willing to submit to the fear of Yahweh, And finally, as always, is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have revealed to us that the fear of you, Father Yahweh, is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of justice. It's the beginning of evangelism. It's the beginning of blessing. Lord, help us to understand who you are. That you are the God who spoke everything into being. You are the God who one day, Lord, will pour out the bowls of wrath upon this world, upon those who have utterly rejected you, who will not repent, who will not change the way they think. Lord, help us to heed what we read as believers. Lord, that we... Are not waiting for the day when you have to spank us, that you have to pour wrath upon us, that you have to punish us in a great way in order for us to heed. But Lord, as those who know you, then, that we don't just operate in utter fear, but Lord, we operate under love because we know you. And we know that you are a God of grace and a God of mercy, as well as a God of justice and a God of righteousness. You are holy, holy, holy. You are set apart above all and beyond all. Oh God, I pray that you would use me. Use us as an assembly. Use your church to reveal your glory amongst this crooked and perverse nation among whom we may shine as lights in this world holding forth the word of life God that you would receive the glory and the praise in Jesus name, Amen